0: Welcome to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. We have all the details of that spectacular crash on the Rainbow Bridge. Also, Black Friday shopping, a truce in the Middle East. What is revinning and spotlighting two charitable causes? The GMH podcast starts now.
1: This is the Good Morning Hamilton podcast on 900 CHML.
0: Let's talk about what happened yesterday. A lot of excitement on the Rainbow Bridge in Niagara Falls on the American side.
2: At this time, there is no indication of a terrorist-involved attack here at the Rainbow Bridge in Western New York.
0: That is uh, New York Governor Kathy Hochul confirming that terrorism was not the cause to yesterday's Um, crash and explosion and, well, a, a lot of fears about whether or not it was a terrorist incident. And as you heard, it was not that. So what is the latest on this? Let's ask the mayor of Niagara Falls, Jim Diodati, who joins us on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Mayor Diodati, good morning. Good morning, Rick. So what is the latest on the bridge itself?
3: Well, I can tell you, after an emotional roller coaster yesterday, The latest is the the FBI has determined it was not a bomb. It was an isolated incident. Um, The individual had a health uh, issue as they were driving toward the bridge, and that resulted in the explosion and the closure of the bridge. And then the other three bridges, last night we opened up the Peace Bridge, the Lower Bridge, also known as the Whirlpool Bridge, and the Queenston-Lewiston Bridge. So they're all open again. And I know it's a local investigation now at the Rainbow Bridge with local police in Niagara Falls, New York. And we're hoping, uh, if not today, then hopefully tomorrow we can get the Rainbow Bridge opened up once again. So good news. Certainly it's a sad situation with two people perishing, but it could have been much worse and it could have been much more significant. So a real emotional roller coaster yesterday.
0: And, and you mentioned that now a couple of times. Um, what What was going through your mind as this was unfolding yesterday?
3: Well, again, this can't be happening again. I mean, during COVID, when we had to shut down all of the borders, it was really difficult, and especially for border communities. You know, in Canada, we've got over 100 international border crossings. And when you separate families and friends, and you miss important dates and funerals and weddings, and a lot of people in border communities work on the other side of the border. And places like Niagara Falls, of course, tourism is also very, very important. And we just kicked off our winter festival of lights last weekend we've got millions of lights up and animated displays and we're anticipating the tourists coming and so on so many levels we're just thinking no not again this can't be happening and yet we're all watching the events around the world the conflicts and the wars and we thought is this what this is and and the speculation and the rumors were running rampant and i can't tell you i'm i'm relieved it wasn't that and as i said sad about the loss for sure but relieved that it's not a part of a much bigger thing.
0: Do you think this could, even though it's not, it wasn't a terrorist act? Could, do you? Is there a fear that this could keep some people away?
3: Well, you know, of course, it's always front of mind, and uh, you don't want anybody having any PTSD kind of feelings about different things that are going on around the world. I think, I think we'll be okay. I think people will be relieved, and I and I think, yeah, for a couple of days, they f- a little smarted. But but with the Americans, this is their biggest holiday of the year, their Thanksgiving. It's their biggest retail time of the year with Black Friday and Cyber Monday. I think they're just ready. They just kind of had enough with what's going on in the world. They just want to get out and do their thing and be with their families. So I think this one, I hope... It'll be a a memory real quick, and we can move forward.
0: Hope so, too. We are speaking with Niagara Falls Mayor Jim Diodati, reflecting on the uh, sensational crash and explosion yesterday on the Rainbow Bridge in Niagara Falls. At one point, all four bridges were closed. You are speaking with a number of officials on both sides of the border. What was that conversation like?
3: Well, the first one initially was, was it an IED? And that was the first and biggest and most um, important thing we had to determine and and it was all around that and then is this part of something bigger like if you were, you remember 911 you know there was the the one crash then the next crash and there were so many things so right away everybody gets their back up and and security tightens instantly and and i mean we did learn a lot from 911 and the borders have changed forever and sometimes we take for granted that border i mean it's the world's longest unmilitarized border for more than 200 years and sometimes we take it for granted But we really are lucky. We do have a great symbiotic relationship with the United States. So that was the first thought. If this is terrorist, you know, a lot of things are going to be happening next. I think there was a collective sigh of relief when they realized it wasn't that. And it was an isolated incident, I think. And again, as sad as it is, it could have been much, much worse.
0: Could this potentially lead to other or enhanced security measures at the border? What's your gut tell you?
3: Well, my gut is they're going to do another review. And I think that, you know, although we've changed significantly, I mean, growing up in a border town, I remember the days you didn't even carry ID when you went over the river. And, and of course, today, if you don't have a passport or, or some kind of ID like that, Nexus card, you don't get across. And even then, they still grill you. But, but things have changed significantly. I'm sure they're going to do a further review and think, gee, never thought of this happening. What if that happened? Because, obviously, if... If the good people are hearing this, the bad people are hearing it, and everybody's, you know, putting thought to it. So I'm sure it'll cause another uh, further review, and they'll talk about how they can make things even safer.
0: What's your message to Niagara residents and those who are going to be visiting your city?
3: Well, uh, we tell them we are open for business. Our our winter festival of lights is on. All the millions of lights are twinkling. When that dusting of snow comes and that mist freezes and creates a winter wonderland, come and visit it. It's still safe, it's still family-friendly, and uh, we're very much looking forward to coming. We're open for business.
0: Well, I have family in the falls, and I'll certainly be visiting myself. Mayor Diodati, appreciate the time this morning, and we'll talk to you
3: down the road. Oh, thanks very much, Rick.
0: That is Niagara Falls Mayor Jim Diodati reflecting on the wild events yesterday on the Rainbow Bridge in Niagara Falls in York, and thankfully not a terrorist incident, although two people have died, and our thoughts and prayers go
1: to their families. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML.
0: Well, it is Black Friday tomorrow. A lot of people will be heading out to the stores to, I guess, kick off the unofficial start to the Christmas shopping season down south. Uh, It uh, came with a little bit of a different twist yesterday for sure.
2: I seen something airborne. I first thought it was an airplane. It looked like slow motion. And I said, my God, it's a car.
0: It was a car, and it crashed on the Rainbow Bridge. How is that going to impact cross-border shopping perhaps today or tomorrow and into the weekend? And how are retailers preparing for what is expected to be a slower Christmas shopping season given where inflation and interest rates are. Well, let's ask our next guest here on GMH. Bruce Swinder is a retail analyst and author of Retail Before, During, and After COVID-19 and joins us on Good Morning Hamilton. Bruce, good morning. How are you?
2: Hey, Rick. How are you doing? Thanks for having me on the show.
0: I'm fantastic. Thanks for coming on. There is certainly a dark cloud hanging over this Black Friday shopping extravaganza with uh, the, you know the two factors that I mentioned – inflation and those rising interest rates. How do you foresee this weekend uh, progressing for retailers and for shoppers?
2: Yeah, I think it's going to be a little bit soft. You know, all indications are that we're going to have a little bit of a slower Black Friday, Cyber Monday. Um, I reached out to uh, Tangerine Bank, and they were kind enough to provide me with some data. And they've looked at um, the last year of MasterCard uh, spend, and Some weird things are happening. Um, Travel, believe it or not, is up about 60%. But things like electronics and apparel and home improvement are down between 1% to 8%. So the consumer is spending, but they're spending on other things beyond, say, merchandise, traditional Black Friday-type merchandise. So I think it's going to be a bit of a tough go.
0: So it's more of the, it sounds like, more of the experience as opposed to the item.
2: Yeah, some other data they had showed that um, car rentals and entertainment and arts and things like that were up about 25%. So, Hmm. yeah, I think it's going to be a little tough for retailers. I think retailers are really going to have to uh, come up with some really solid bargains here to incent consumers to get out of their chairs and, and into their stores this year.
0: Are we seeing some of that? How are retailers responding?
2: Yeah, they are. I mean, if you look at the promotions this year, a couple of uh, notes. One is they started earlier. Um, second is they're a lot more aggressive in terms of discounts, price points, bonus points, uh, you know, buy more, save more. They've kind of dialed up the value, if you will, to try to get consumers to come in and spend those dollars.
0: Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHL, Bruce Winder, retail analyst and author of Retail Before, During and After COVID-19. We're talking about Black Friday shopping, which kicks off in earnest uh, tomorrow, although we've seen Black Friday deals for the last week or even a couple of weeks, depending on what uh, station you are tuning into. Is there any evidence on how Black Friday has progressed over the years? Is there any trends that you're seeing? Yeah, some of
2: the major trends are that um, it's become bigger. So it now, as of a few years ago, it's eclipsed Boxing Day or Boxing Week. Um, Every year it seems to start earlier. So this year we have Amazon with their Prime Day in October. And um, you know what? It's also spread to all kinds of different businesses. So you always think Black Friday is consumer electronics and apparel. Well, everyone, you know, dentists, everyone is (laughs) subscribers to uh, magazines. Everyone has sort of jumped on the Black Friday bandwagon and uses it as a marketing tool to try to uh, get consumers to spend.
0: From a retail standpoint, in terms of dollars ingested, is Black Friday bigger than Boxing Day or Boxing Week?
2: It actually is. It actually is. Mm -hmm. You know, Boxing Day, Boxing Week used to be massive, and it's still there. It's still important. But just this whole momentum since since Canadian retailers started doing it about 10 years ago, really because the Canadian dollar was at par with the U.S. dollar back then. Um, It's just got bigger and bigger every year, and now it's number one.
0: Do you have any info on Halloween spending? You know, interest rates were still obviously a factor uh, a few weeks ago. Did we spend this Halloween? I haven't really
2: seen or heard of any specific Halloween numbers, but I think the industry was predicting sort of a flat-to-down Halloween, You know, candy will always be up because people have to buy for the kids, but some of the decor, some of the discretionary items would be down. And that's a key theme, Rick, we're seeing um, this fall, is essentials are doing okay, but discretionary items are are hurting.
0: Well, we certainly got uh, a bit of a curveball yesterday and what we thought was going to be something even more serious, although two people are dead after a, a crash and explosion on the Rainbow Bridge. All four of the bridges that uh, go from one border to the next in Canada to the U.S. were closed for a point in time yesterday. Three of them are now open. The Rainbow Bridge is probably going to be closed for a little while longer as uh, this investigation unfolds and, and repairs are made to one of the booths. What impact do you think this is going to have on just the mindset of the shopper?
2: I think it's going to have a negative impact for sure. I mean, definitely there's some issue as it relates to the logistics of getting back and forth across the border. But I think there's a little bit of a, a fear out there. I mean, you know, thank heavens it wasn't really deemed a terrorist issue. I don't think it, whatever it was, it wasn't terrorist. They don't think so. Mm-hmm. But, but, you know, it kind of just makes people pause a little bit, right? You know, and that that's not good for shopping when when people sort of retrench and pause and are nervous about uncertainty. There's enough uncertainty in the world right now with, uh, Interest rates and inflation being a little sticky and two wars going on.
0: Yeah, and we can confirm this is now being handled as a traffic incident, uh, if if anything, as terrorism has been ruled out. Um, it, there's probably going to be, I would guess, increased scrutiny or maybe even security at at border crossings. And, and that's going to have an impact, too, I would assume.
2: Yeah, I would think so. I would think that there's going to be increased security. And you're right, that's going to have an impact. When people see, you know, the uh, police officers, they're going to get a little nervous what's going on, you know. And just like I said, too, just the throughput of it probably is going to take longer to get across the border back and forth. So that may deter some people from doing some shopping as well.
0: I agree. Bruce, appreciate the time as always. Thanks uh, for joining us today.
2: You have a great day, Rick. Take care.
0: YouTube, Bruce Winder, retail analyst and author of Retail Before, During, and After COVID-19. Check it in your favorite bookstore, either virtual or physical.
1: You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML.
0: We now have a four-day truce in the war between Hamas and Israel. That is, it was originally planned for today, but it apparently hit a snag and is expected to begin tomorrow And as part of this uh, truce and ceasefire agreement, there's going to be a a hostage and a a prisoner exchange. Basically, 50 hostages, from what we hear, will be freed in stages by Hamas in exchange for the release of 150 Palestinian prisoners held in Israel. And as we know, the death and destruction has been really uh, sad to see because there's a lot of innocent individuals and families who have lost their lives. Stephen Brown is the CEO of the National Council of Canadian Muslims and joins us on Good Morning Hamilton. Stephen, good morning. How are you?
4: Hey, good morning. How are you doing? Thanks for having me.
0: I'm okay. I mean, hearing this four-day truce must be a sigh of relief.
4: Uh, I mean, yeah, it's it's an important step, but it's a small step. Um, What Palestinian Canadians have been telling us, Uh, is that even if there's a ceasefire, um, first of all, it's not going to bring back the 12,000 people, uh, Palestinians who have been killed in the last six weeks. Um, Nothing is going to bring back their family members. There's a lot of people in a a lot of Canadians who've lost family members in Gaza um, over the past six weeks. Um, But anything that puts an end to the suffering now... Um, is a good thing. Um, but we have to make sure that this is not something that's just temporary. Uh, we as a nation need to really make sure that the parties can actually get together and get to a permanent peace.
0: You've heard, as you mentioned, from, from many uh, Muslim Canadians um, uh, about what is going on. Is, is most of the blame being directed at Hamas, or is most
4: of the blame being directed at Israel, or is it, is it the same for a lot of people in the Palestinian community, this is not something that started on October 7th. Um, you know, People are blaming the parties for what they're doing. But the big concern is, number one, the fact that there are thousands of people that are dying every day, mostly women and children, um, that there have been thousands of people that have died in Israel as well. Um, and also that there seems to be a solution right now where there seems to be a situation right now where people have sort of lost track of the idea of peace and are now in the process of literally calling for mass killings. I mean, you could just look at things that the leaders in Israel are saying right now. In Canada, we don't hear a lot about it, but but those people who are watching the Israeli media, I mean, everybody from the president to the prime minister to the minister of defense, they're quite literally on TV telling people they're going to flatten the whole thing, they're going to evacuate two and a half million people, Um, You know, the finance minister has said that Palestinians at the end of this are going to be left with three options, either subjugation, expulsion, or death. Um, You know, uh, Benjamin Netanyahu has compared the Palestinians to the Amalekites and has urged the military to fight people. So people are terrified. Like, quite literally, right now you have a very powerful military that's looking at two and a half million people packed in the most densely populated area on the planet. That's quite literally turning it into a parking lot on mass industrial scale, and people's family members are dying, and they are worried that they're quite literally, I mean, people are starving, they've cut off water, they don't have food, this could get really ugly really fast. Do we really want to sit back and watch hundreds of thousands of people dying of starvation and exposure and death at the hands of bombs that are falling? And this is, like, how, how how are we in the Western world, in the civilized world, watching this happen on live TV? It,
0: there is also a concern now with this four-day truce. And by the way, we're chatting with Stephen Brown, the CEO of the National Council of Canadian Muslims. There's there's a concern now with this truce that Hamas will reposition or, or you know, fortify their position in Gaza. Is that a great worry? Because it, it speaks to me that, you know, this this is not going to end anytime soon.
4: I mean, I think I think we're sort of getting caught into the weeds and the details. The fact of the matter is it's a war. Um, and, you know, whether it's a day or two days or three days or four days or a week, the fact of the matter is, at the end of the day, Gaza is an enclave that is completely cut off from the rest of the world. Um, and whether they move from one side of the Gaza Strip to the other, that's not really, that's not really what's of import right here as far as the Muslim community is concerned, and I think the majority of Canadians are concern, is concerned. The majority of Canadians, we did a poll, more than 70% of people want to see a ceasefire because regardless of what Hamas does inside the Gaza Strip or regardless of what the different militaries do tactically, if at the end of the four-day truce the bombs start falling again, people are going to start dying again. This is not about Hamas or about the military or about the government. This is about people human beings that are dying. Like, that's the main thing. I think the fact that people are not primarily focused on the fact that there's been literally thousands of children, innocent children, that are being killed on an industrial scale um, because of a really ugly political situation, that is what needs to be at the forefront of people's minds. And if Canadians are concerned about the political situation in the Middle East, and what we should be doing is instead of encouraging Israel to resume its bombing campaign after four days, or encouraging the parties to basically resume their uh, the hostilities after four days, we should be putting our weight into actually finding a solution to the problem.
0: Agreed on that. The uh, the destruction and death is absolutely devastating, and uh, it needs to end soon. Stephen, appreciate your time this morning. Thanks for joining
4: us. Yeah, thanks so much. Take care.
0: Stephen Brown is the CEO of the National Council of Canadian Muslims and summed it up. Well, I thought the death needs to stop. Unfortunately, it doesn't look like it is.
1: You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML.
0: What is revinning? Well, I'll tell you in short, it is the latest scheme that is being used by organized crime enterprises who operate vehicle theft rings, and apparently, it is all the rage. Jamie Lee is an associate vice president to fraud and financial crime strategy at Aviva Canada, and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Jamie, good morning. How are you? Hi, Rick. I'm great. Thanks for having me on the show. Thanks for coming on to talk about revinning. So this is this is the the, the biggest thing right now that criminals are using.
5: Yeah, absolutely. Um, we're really seeing this as a growing trend in the greater Toronto and Hamilton area right now.
0: So, what happens with re How does this uh, happen? How does this work?
5: So, people may believe that all of them, the stolen vehicles right now are being shipped overseas. Um, however, we're seeing a 300% increase of vehicles where the stolen vehicle vins are actually changed so they can be used or resold in Canada. Um, and then the criminals actually then resell these vehicles on things like Kijiji and Facebook Marketplace um, to unsuspecting um, customers. And
0: are are these VIN numbers just made up? Are they previous numbers? Like How how are they creating these VINs?
5: Yeah, so um, the vehicle identification number is a 17-character code unique to each vehicle that attaches to the rightful vehicle. Um, Criminals are actually cloning um, other people's VINs from their vehicles, or they're actually making up the the VIN altogether and putting it onto the stolen vehicle. um, So then it can be reused.
0: From what I understand, some of these stolen vehicles, uh, at least some of them are eventually landing on dealership lots as well. How does that happen if it's an existing VIN number?
5: Yeah, absolutely. Unfortunately, um, they are because of how many are being recycled in the market now. If the proper checks aren't done on the vehicles, Um, then unfortunately sometimes they can slip through the net. And we have unfortunately seen people where they've ended up with a stolen vehicle in their possession um, once they've purchased it from a dealership.
0: That is wild. So if someone is shopping for a used vehicle right now, they're going to a dealership. Maybe they're going to Kijiji. Maybe they're going to Facebook Marketplace. What are some tips that you have for them so they can avoid uh, buying a vehicle that has been stolen?
5: Um, So, Aviva has some great tips on our fraud hub at aviva.ca. But, five kind of top tips that we would give people is uh, make sure that you've got all of the documentation from the MTO um, that matches the vehicle consistently. You can run a Carfax as well, or ask the dealership to run a Carfax to make sure the vehicles, the details actually match the vehicle. Um, Also, we would really recommend making sure you know who you're buying the vehicle from, make sure you've done your due diligence and checks. Um, if you have a um, mechanic uh, that will that you're you know that's trusted to you, you can actually ask them to run a check on the VIN as well to make sure the vehicle is um, the vehicle that says it is. Um, and there's there's other tips on our site, but they're the, t- the top things that we would recommend. And also, just if it feels wrong or you know if there's something that doesn't feel right, just make sure you ask yourself the question: um, Is this sale legitimate?
0: Jamie Lee is an associate vice president, fraud and financial crime strategy at Aviva Canada. We're talking about re-vinning where these organized crime uh, syndicates are stealing vehicles, changing the VIN number, then reselling them either to dealerships or on uh, the various uh, online websites like Kijiji or Facebook. And uh, are you are you noticing more calls to perhaps your fraud hotline to say, hey, I've been caught in in a revinning scheme?
5: Yeah, unfortunately, we are. Like I said, we've seen a 300% increase um, year over year. And in some cases, unfortunately, people are actually being stopped on the side of the road by law enforcement, um, because they may suspect the vehicle is stolen. And if if they identify the vehicle stolen, the vehicle will be seized there and then so that person could be out of pocket for that purchase of the vehicle.
0: Wow, that is scary. Is, Is there any evidence of that already happening?
5: Yeah, in, in some cases we've also seen people going in to have their vehicles repaired and then they actually find out that the vehicle um, is a revinned vehicle. And again, unfortunately, the authorities have to be called and the vehicle has been seized. So we've been working closely with customers where we see this happen and try and work through with them how this has happened and how we can tackle those organized crime groups.
0: Is this situation at all covered by insurance?
5: Um, so we um, always... You know, as part of um, insurance, we always cover um, customers where they've had their vehicle has been stolen. Um, but unfortunately, if a customer has actually purchased a vehicle um, from um, you know uh, someone off Kijiji or marketplace. Um, then they wouldn't have had insurance because it is actually a stolen vehicle. So that's why it's so important that people do their checks at the front to make sure that they they um, have a legitimate vehicle.
0: That is really wild. I know you, we were talking about uh, the GTHA, the, the GTA in the Hamilton area. Is this happening elsewhere in the country or is this like the hotspot?
5: Um, so the Greater Toronto and Hamilton area is the hotspot, but we have been seeing um, other trends and we're starting to see this happen in other areas as well. In, out um in ontario
0: pretty scary stuff jamie appreciate the time and the information thanks for joining us today
5: no worries thanks for having me
0: jamie lee is an associate vp of fraud and financial crime strategy at aviva canada some tips to avoid becoming a victim of re-vinning. As she mentioned if you are buying from a private seller verify the person's identity to ensure that they are in fact the owner of the vehicle that they are selling you can also order a Carfax vehicle history, uh, and that history report will say who the who the, the seller is. You can have um, the vehicle checked out at a mechanic that you trust who's going to ensure that the VIN number actually matches the vehicle that that individual is checking. You can also contact the Ministry of Transportation and find out the vehicle's registration details. And, of course, with anything that you're going to buy, especially on things like Facebook Marketplace or Kijiji, if it sounds too good to be true... It probably is, so protect yourself
1: from re You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML.
0: There is a fundraiser on tap next week. It's November 30th, and it is being held to support primary caregivers of critically or terminally ill loved ones. It's called Gregor's Gift Charity, and money raised from this night of hilarity, is going to help the Dr. Bob Camp Hospice in Hamilton, as well as St. Joseph's Hospice in London. And here to talk about it is Sarah McLeod. She is a board member with Gregor's Gift and joins us now on GMH. Sarah, thanks for waking up with us this morning. How are you? I'm fine. How are you, Rick? Not too bad. Let's get a little more details on Gregor's Gift Charity, because I know there is uh, a really poignant um, part of the history of, of how this was created.
6: Definitely. Thanks. Um, so on June 26th in 2020, uh, while living in Burlington, Gregor and Tara found out that they were pregnant with twins, which is so amazing. That same day in the afternoon, Gregor found out that he was in stage four um, cancer. So um, a lot to take in on one day, obviously. Uh, so as time passed, um, the twins were born, named Abby and Ben, and uh, but on December 8, 2021, Gregor passed about two months prior to their twin's birthday. So through his illness, Gregor was focused on Tara's needs, and they both saw a need to support those primary caregivers. So Gregor's legacy lives on not only within his amazing twins, uh, but also this beautiful registered charity, uh, Caring for Caregivers.
0: It is an incredible legacy to have, that is for sure. Let's talk about this Night of Hilarity show. It goes November 30th. Where is it being held? What can we expect?
6: It's being held at the Burlington Performing Arts Centre, and that's one week today. Uh, The tickets are on sale now. So our Night of Hilarity features uh, the Oakville Improv Group, and comedians Justin Shaw and Megan Mike, who are also local. And in addition, we have a live silent auction where generous donors have given us amazing prizes.
0: What's the fundraising goal, and what does the money get used for?
6: Uh, So last year, uh, we raised over $11,000 at this event, and uh, where that went was to help um, St. Joseph's Hospice in London providing near, nearly 80 kits to caregivers. So in those kits were things that the caregiver um, might need or might have forgotten because they're caring for their loved ones. So say, for example, um, you know, toothpaste, toothbrush, those type of typical things, um, but also uh, water bottle, um, and just to help support them and help remind them that they need um, need to think about themselves as well. So this year we need to surpass that impact uh, and extend our reach to the Bob Kemp, um, Dr. Bob Kemp Hospice in Hamilton uh, while continuing the caregiver kit program at the London Hospice.
0: And, and why choose the Dr. Bob Kemp Hospice in Hamilton? I know that the previous event or last year's event raised money for St. Joseph's Hospice in London. So why target and identify the need in Hamilton?
6: Well, what we wanted to do was um, spread out to the local community. So um, Gregor spent his last 24 hours in the London hospice, uh, but he also worked in Hamilton. He lived in Burlington. So um, we're also in talks with uh, the the Burlington hospice, the Carpenter hospice, um, but because of how they're uh, fiscal year lies, um, that's in, in the process, but we were able to confirm, uh, with Dr. Bob Kemp Hospice that, um, uh, they would love to partner with us, which is amazing.
0: It is amazing, and and the Dr. Bob Camp Hospice is uh, amazing in itself. I remember uh, getting a tour of that facility a few years ago and was just blown away by what was there and and how everything was done. It was such a yes. such an amazing place.
4: Oh,
6: totally! Like it, it, all of these hospices just do amazing work for our loved ones, and if you haven't been touched directly. family than perhaps a friend and it's just um, an amazing place that really cares for our loved ones and our caregivers and so we want to remind those caregivers that um, they're thought of and supported.
0: For those who uh, don't have an opportunity to go to the fundraiser one week from tonight, the Burlington Performing Arts Center, I know there's other ways that they can donate, including making a donation online, uh, buying gift cards. Can you tell us about that?
6: Definitely. Um, So the uh, tickets that are available, you can also attend the show remotely. So uh, we do offer virtual tickets as well, but um, we are a registered charity, so you can go to gregorsgift.com, that's g-r-e-g-o-r-s-gift.com, and by going to that site, um, you can either donate directly, and it's set up with uh, Canada help, so you get a receipt right away, and uh, we have this wonderful program called, um, th- through a company called Fundscript, where you can buy uh, gift cards, and what happens is the retailers then donate a percentage of what you've purchased to our uh, organization, which is amazing. And you can do it th- through a corporation as well. So whether you're personally buying or otherwise, uh, we can help you out with the holiday uh, gift card buying. Or if you're getting gas or groceries, there's over 120 retailers that uh, are connected to this. So it's amazing for us and it's a win-win because you get the gift card and we get the percentage through the retailer, which is it's it, standing.
0: It, it, absolutely. Uh, Sarah, I'm glad we had this conversation this morning and informed our listeners on how they can uh, give to Gregor's Gift Charity and help the Dr. Bob Camp Hospice in Hamilton and St. Joseph's Hospice in London. Appreciate the time, and hopefully we'll see a lot of people at Burlington Performing Arts Center one week from tonight.
6: Yes. Thank you so much for your support, Rick.
0: Thank you very much. And uh, you can get more details online. Again, the website is gregorsgift.com. It is uh, really, I'm sure it's going to be an amazing night in terms of uh, offering you some laughs and, of course, all the money going to a great cause.
1: You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML.
0: Anyone who knows me knows I am the human form of the cookie monster. I absolutely love Cookies And so, leaving the radio station earlier this week, there was a delivery person at the front door with a package for me which included milk and cookies. There was even a glass in there with a child's drawing of a fire-breathing dragon with candy canes coming out of its back. Absolutely love it. And love the cookies by the way too the dairy farmers of ontario has launched its milk and cookies campaign to make milk and cookies mean even more and it's created magic milk glasses in doing so here to talk about it is julie granger the senior manager marketing at dairy farmers of ontario on good morning hamilton julie good morning how are you
7: good morning rick how are you i'm great
0: tell us about this initiative you're raising money for children's hospitals
7: Um, So actually, we're not raising money, but um, for the fifth consecutive year, Dairy Farmers of Ontario has partnered again with SickKids, and we are donating $500,000 through our milk and cookies campaign. Um, McMaster Children's Hospital in Hamilton and Children's Hospitals in London and Ottawa also received part of the donation, and it's to help support children and their families who aren't able to be home during the holidays. Um, The donation goes to the highest priority needs um, that are identified by the hospitals. Um, And the funds enable each of the hospitals to provide a little bit of cheer and joy and light to patients and their families that are um, there during their stay over the holidays.
0: That is awesome. So how can people participate in this campaign?
7: Right. So that's the exciting part. And what we want to invite um, all of Ontario to join us in is the Magic Milk Glass Initiative. So we are inviting everybody to join us in helping milk and cookies for Santa mean even more this year. So we've created these magic milk glasses that will be given to each of the children spending the holidays um, at Ontario Children's Hospitals to ensure that these patients have something uh, special to participate in that magical ritual of leaving milk and cookies out for Santa on Christmas Eve. And so that they all know that we're thinking of them. Um, so. Uh, that is the Magic Milk Glass uh, initiative this year, and it's really easy for everybody per- to participate. Um, all you have to do is um, by November 28th to participate, you can create a social post on using your own Instagram or Facebook of a really original holiday-themed drawing, something that will grab Santa's attention. Uh, in your post, you just have to follow at Ontario Dairy and include hashtag Magic Milk Glass, Um, And then from there, Dairy Farmers of Ontario will select some of those drawings, and then we're transforming them into the magic milk glass that is really unique. It includes uh, a cookie cutter um, in the shape of the drawing that the kids will be submitting, um, as well as the drawing on the side of the glass. So it's a really unique um, magic milk glass, and we're really excited to make sure that. All of these children spending the holidays in the hospital will receive one.
0: It is really a phenomenal campaign that pulls at the heartstrings. And I, I have to ask as well, because they are the tastiest cookies I've ever eaten. Where in the world did you get these cookies? <laughs> they are
7: from uh, Courage Cookies. Uh, that I'm glad you enjoyed them, and I hope that you had a delicious glass of local Ontario milk to wash them down. We think it's the it, the perfect combination. Um, and who doesn't love milk and cookies? And I'm glad to hear you love it as much as we do.
0: Absolutely. And I, was, I know Santa Claus will as well. And I'm inviting all of my listeners to go to at Ontario Dairy on Instagram, Facebook, give them a follow, participate in the hashtag Magic Milk Glass Initiative. It is awesome. Julie, thanks for the time and good luck with us.
7: Thank you very much, Rick. Have a great day.
0: YouTube, Julie Granger, Senior Manager, Marketing at Dairy Farmers of Ontario. Absolutely
1: beautiful. Thanks for listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. You can listen to the show live weekday mornings from 530 to 9 on 900CHML and online at 900CHML.com.
0: The Good Morning Hamilton podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. It's free, so you never miss an episode, and make sure you rate and review.